The Lord be with you. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Rise up, O folk of God, the church, for you doth wait her strength unequal to her task. Rise up and make her great. This Lord's Day, we welcome to our gathered worship our own Inner Strength Gospel Choir under the fine direction of Herbert S. Jones. We welcome our gathered community here in Marsh Chapel, our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We invite your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us come Sunday. Rise up, O folk of God, the church for you doth wait, her strength unequal to her task. Rise up and make her great. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. O God, whose blessed Son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of bread, open the eyes of our faith that we may behold him in all his redeeming work, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. O oh God, we pray this day for the church which is set amid the perplexities of a changing order and face to face with new tasks. Baptize her afresh in the life-giving spirit of Jesus. Bestow upon her a great responsiveness to duty, a swifter compassion with suffering, and an utter loyalty to thy will. Help her to proclaim boldly the coming of the kingdom of God. Put upon her lips the ancient gospel of her Lord, Fill her with the prophet's scorn of tyranny and with a Christ-like tenderness for the heavy laden and downtrodden. Bid her cease from seeking her own life lest she lose it. Make her valiant to give up her life to humanity that like her crucified Lord, she may mount by the path of the cross to a higher glory through the same Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Beloved, we pause to consider and to name our own prayers of silent and individual confession as the choir sings for us the traditional Kyrie, Lord have mercy upon us. Hear good news, if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the Acts of Apostles, chapter nine, verses one through six. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, 
I am Jesus, who, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from the Revelation of St. John, chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, singing with full voice, Worthy is the Lamb that has, was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing. To the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 30 with the Antiphon. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For God's anger is but for a moment. God's favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you had established me as a strong mountain. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will I tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. Glory to you, O Lord. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Simon to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
please be seated. In our pastoral work day by day, we come back to a familiar story. One man asked another, tell me in just one word, how is your life? His friend replied slowly, in one word? In one word, my life is well, good. Sensing something, the man asked again then, tell me in just two words, how is your life? And his friend replied slowly, my life in two words, in two words, my life is not good. Both the brevity of life and the strange estrangements of our experience in life place us, if we are honest, come Sunday, somewhere between the first and the second replies, between good and not good. We know the thrill of victory and the agony of betrayal. We know the joy of birth and the pain of death. We know the exuberance of growth and the hurt of departure. The Gospel of John ended last week with its concluding sentence, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Jesus, Lord and God, doorway both to allegiance and to reverence. Jesus, word incarnate, good shepherd, feeder of thousands, alchemist of water and wine, healer of the blind, raiser of the dead, doorway to grace, freedom, love, spirit, community, and friendship. Only believe, only believe. Startling then, today's lesson, John 21, added perhaps 10 years after the gospel's original conclusion, a simple meal of 153 fish, breakfast with Peter, different language and imagery here, a different now heroic role for the robing and disrobing Peter here, a different voice for the beloved disciple here, a different reflection on death and life here, a different prediction of Peter's martyrdom here. What is the meaning of this strange addition to this edition of the gospel, this strange breakfast? Just this. For all the grace, freedom, and love, all the spirit, community, and friendship rightly trumpeted in the spirited fourth gospel, we people are still people. This chapter, 21, is about fishing and farming, about catching and tending, about boats and fields, fisher folk and shepherds. In church language, that is, John 21 is about evangelism and pastoral care. You are leading a Christian life. You are committed to the way of discipleship, the path of love. Then, and so, you will need to receive and give invitation, evangelism, and comfort, pastoral care. In a word, resurrection. In two words, evangelism and pastoral care, work and structure, laity and clergy, world and church. Breakfast is a simple meal, often the worst hour of the day, the worst food of the day, the worst attitude of the day, everything and everyone more human than not. But carried by resurrection, we re-enter the world of invitation and compassion. Every week, we are encouraged to make one invitation to another about what we find lastingly good. 
Come to worship with me. Every week we are encouraged to offer one compassionate word to another from the source of lasting compassion we have known. I will pray for you. For public worship places us in the necessary presence of others who are not our own kith, kin, and kindred. With the child behind us, the student beside us, the professor ahead of us, the widow across from us, together this morning, we worship God. We perceive, again, the utter variety and actual need of others. It is a cautionary move against the prevailing winds about us that cause harm, including terror, including dehumanizing techno-communication, including distance drone aerial bombardment. We are reminded, seeing each other, hearing each other sing. A woman will receive that email. I might have seen her or her kith, kin and kindred in church. A child could be harmed by such a weapon. I might have seen his kith, kin and kindred in church. Public worship places us in the necessary presence of others who are not of our own family. So crucial, saving, significant then, a simple invitation, join me for worship. Then too, compassionate pastoral care, personal kindness, a willingness to listen, feed, tend, sheep to sheep, connects us to the deeper dimensions, those for which life is given. Many years ago, Martin Luther King sat in a prison cell in Birmingham, Alabama. He wrote that famous letter from Birmingham jail, which bears your rereading this afternoon, addressed to pastors, fellow clergy, who could not or did not or would not hear. He wrote, when you suddenly find your tongue twisted and your speech stammering as you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she can't go to the public amusement park that has just been advertised on television and see tears welling up in her eyes when she is told that Fun Town is closed to colored children and see ominous clouds of inferiority beginning to form in her little mental sky and see her beginning to distort her personality by developing an unconscious bitterness. While most of us will not regularly write such a momentous letter, in our pastoral, that is our personal correspondence, we still write a little bit. You know, that is, of another's pain by gathering in community. And so when you sit down and put pen to paper or hand to key and select some caring words, you can do it with grace, sorry, condolence, hope, help, prayer. You can imagine another opening the mailbox, the email box, seeing, holding the letter, removing the page, reading the card. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. It is not that the fourth gospel up to chapter 20 diminishes or discounts invitation and compassion, evangelism and pastoral care, laity and clergy. It's just that the writers 
up to then, had bigger fish to fry and sheep to tend of another fold. So along came someone who wrote chapter 21 for us to remind us, in a word, good. In two words, not good. Your life in Christ requires invitation and compassion, beginning again every day at breakfast. The good news is that a restored Peter is there at breakfast with us. So Jesus speaks to us today from the edge of the shoreline. His voice, although we often mistake or mishear or misunderstand it, carries over from shore to sea, from heaven to earth. For us gathered here, the souls gathered here today, that voice, his voice, is the voice that makes life worth living. Within earshot of his voice, there are no longer no merely ordinary days or nights or catches of fish or meals or questions or answers or friendships or loves or losses. Within earshot of his voice, there are no merely ordinary moments. When the master calls from the shoreline, children, have you cast the net, bring some fish, have breakfast? No one who hears will dare ask, and who are you? For we know. Jesus speaks to, to us today from the edge of the shoreline. His disciples stumble through all the magic and grit of a fishing expedition. Many of us still find some magic in fishing, though few of us have had to depend on the sport for sustenance. But we know the thrill of it, the catch, the chance to feel the thrill of being in the right place at the right time. John Stuart Mill once wrote that understanding the chemistry of a pink sunset did not at all diminish his profound sense of wonder at the same sunset beauty. In fact, we might add, real understanding heightens true apprehension. Easter is a season of new beginnings. The promise of resurrection is upon us. Resurrection disarms fear. Resurrection ignores defeat. Resurrection displaces and replaces loneliness. Resurrection will not abide the voice that whispers, there's nothing ordinary, extraordinary here. There's no reason for gaiety, excitement, or wonder here. Resurrection will not abide the easy and the cheap. Resurrection takes a daybreak catch, a charcoal fire, a dawn mist, fish, bread, and hungry, weary travelers and reveals the Lord present and Peter there at the table with us. One failing of this world, whether we see it more clearly in the superstition of religion, the idolatry of politics, or the hypocrisy of social life, has its root in blindness to the extraordinary. But hear the good news. Come Easter, and we are meant to live in Easter, not in Lent. Life is for Easter. The king of love his table spreads and the humblest meal becomes breakfast with Peter. A chance for change, for new beginnings. Therefore, Christian people, as we work and fight, play and pray this week, let us resist with joy all that cheapens life, all that dishonors God, 
all that mistakes our ordinary sin for the extraordinary love, power, mercy, and grace of God. That is, let us open the doorway to real change. Real change is real hard, but it happens in real time when real people in real ways really work at it. Or at least, that is the good news of John 21, a late addition to a late edition of the fourth gospel and its menu of freedom over breakfast with Peter. Take a look at the soteriology next door. That's a big word for health, salvation. You may be at a point where a different chapter or a different verse may bring healing. So, you have been raised a Roman Catholic and left the church, but now seek elsewhere a measure of meaning, belonging, and community as your faith develops. You're looking toward a soteriology next door, a way of salvation next door, a religious perspective and posture next door, a healing next door. Or you have, may have been raised a Protestant and left that church, but now seek elsewhere a measure of meaning, belonging, community as your faith develops. You're looking toward a soteriology next door, a way of salvation next door, a religious perspective and posture next door, a healing next door. Or you may have been raised in a mainline church, but having left that fold, now you seek elsewhere a measure of meaning, belonging, and community as your faith develops. You're looking toward change, toward a soteriology next door, a way of salvation, religious perspective and posture next door. Good for you. Find your way forward. Sometimes a new look at salvation for a new need in life is the very gospel of freedom. John 21, if nothing else, gives biblical currency to such courageous change on your part. And we are with you because we are for you. As you may, this season, walk up the steps to another house within the lasting, loving, large neighborhood of salvation. That is, there are many faithful ways of keeping faith. There are many ways of keeping faith. Hear the good news as well that forgiveness is about the future, not the past. Stephen Bauman reminded us of this this past week. The past is finished, unchangeable. There's no changing what has happened. We may revisit by memory travel and we may relearn by historical excavation, but the past is what it is. It's done. Forgiveness is not about the past. That is what the church discovered at Easter. Easter is not about Mary's misunderstanding, nor about Thomas's doubt, nor about the disciples' fear, nor about the worst of horror, the cross. All that is set forever in the past. There's no changing it. Forgiveness opens the future. Forgiveness does not change the past, but opens up a new future, a free future, a joyful future in spite of the past. That is what, 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 what makes Easter such a miracle. That is what makes Peter fit company at breakfast. He's good company, given his story 
over the 153 fish. He has a new life, a new open future. He has a new future in spite of, in spite of, in spite of the past. Hear the good news that forgiveness is about the future, not about the past. Or this week, reclaim the power of conversation in a cyber-held world. Would that we could, including breakfast, understand the power and lasting meaning of fellowship at our tables, all of them. Our bodily nourishment requires this pause, this consumption, this energy, but our spiritual nourishment requires the words spoken and heard during this pause, this consumption, this energy. If you've been recently around a convivial meal, around a conversational table, around a gathered companionship, well, you know. Friendship is conversation. Love is conversation. Marriage is conversation. Community, real communion, community, real consanguinity, is mightily and in some ways totally conversation. So the disciples are around a fire, charcoal fire, eating breakfast with a restored leader, Peter. If you're not indulging in at least one decent conversational meal a day, you're missing the mark. Fast food is real, but not fast conversation. Reclaim the power of conversation in a cyber-held world. Or feel free to shake the dust from your employment feet and find another job. You know, now that the economy is a little better, at least for some, it is a little easier to say what needs saying, in any case, all the time. You have one life to live. If what you are doing with your body is killing your soul, it's time to quit. There are 60 ways to leave your employer, as Paul Simon said, sort of. Make a little plan, Stan. Easter breakfast with Peter is just the time to converse about this in a forgiving mode in the light of the soteriology next door. Hear the gospel, sursum corda, lift up your hearts. Real change is real hard, but it happens in real time when real people in real ways really work at it. Or at least, that is the good news of John 21, a late addition to a late edition of the fourth gospel and its menu of freedom over breakfast with Peter. We have reached a time in the service of reflection and prayer. I invite you to assume a position that is most comfortable to you, whether it is seated, standing, kneeling, or at the altar rail near the front of the nave. The choir will now sing the call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord.
Gracious God, whose presence surrounds us and envelops us, we pray for peace that binds and heals the wounds of the earth. Grant your peace to nations experiencing war and strife. Grant your peace to communities torn by violence and sorrow. Grant your peace to individuals who are in the midst of suffering and conflict. We remember today those who are persecuted and oppressed. We remember the poor, the sick, the outcast, and the downtrodden. Grant us your son's wisdom, eternal light, so that we may see and bear witness to their struggles, so that we may hear and listen to their words, and so that we may move and act with compassion toward them. Everlasting Spirit, we ask for healing on this day for communities who are grieving for loss, both out in the world and within our community here. We remember on this day those who have departed and passed on, and we remember especially those who have felt the weight of their passing. Hold their hearts in a gentle embrace so that they may find time, space, and community for healing. All of these things we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now we pray as your Son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Marsh Chapel. Welcome whether you join us in the nave at 735 Commonwealth Avenue by radio airwaves on 90.9 WBUR in your car this morning, or by podcast later this week while you're on the Cape or in Cupertino. Know that you are welcome here, whether you are a student or your student days were over decades ago, whether you are black or white, whether you are gay, straight, or identify some other way. 
welcome. We want to be in fellowship with you, and in that spirit, let us know you're present with us. Add your information to the red pad at the center of the, near the center aisle at the end of your pew, or send us an email at chapel at bu.edu. We want to get to know you better and help, to get, help you to get to know this community better together. This morning, Patrick Waters, one of the choral scholars, has a few announcements about music. Thank you, Soren. Good morning, everyone. It's a surprise, I mean, a delight to greet you all this morning. Um, I, I take this moment right now to offer our thanks and gratitude to Herb Jones and the Inner Strength Gospel Choir and their wonderful talent, and we, we thank you for that rousing and passionate anthem that you sang earlier, and we look forward to hearing your next offering. So thank you again for your time and your talent. I speak also on behalf of the chapel choir and the, chapel, or the chapel's collegium musicum. Uh, this Saturday, we are having a concert, our final concert of the season, uh, where we are presenting the Easter Oratorio of Bach, along with Chris Locke and Todes Bonden, uh, another cantata of Bach's. And this is to round out our survey of Easter festival music that Bach wrote during his life. Uh, that concert begins at 8 p.m. It's $10 for non-students, and if you are a student of any stripe, as long as you are a current student, uh, you may enter and, and join the concert for free. Now to follow that up, uh, next Sunday is also our last offering of the Bach experience for this season, where we will present Chris Locke and Todas Bonden, how grateful that we didn't have to learn another cantata uh, with such short notice. Uh, but we, we look forward to offering that in the context of the service. And at 9.45 that morning, uh, Scott Jarrett, the director of music here, will present, along with the Collegium and the Chapel Choir, the Bach Experience, which is a lecture on the historical context and the musicological uh, justification of the music that Bach wrote. So thank you very much. Thank you, Patrick. One other music note, the Inner Strength Gospel Choir concert is at 7.30 p.m. on Friday, April 22nd here in the nave. We hope you join us for that as well. I call your attention to the bulletin and to the chapel website, bu.edu slash chapel, for a list of upcoming events. I do want to highlight just a few. There is a hymn sing this afternoon in Lynn. Further details are in the bulletin and are available by calling the chapel office at 617-353-3560. The Dean's Bible study continues this week on Monday at 5 p.m. in his office. Uh, and Tuesday, the Interfaith Council's annual Interfaith Fair will be at 7 p.m. in the back court of the George Sherman Union. Come learn about the religious groups on campus and sample some great food from cultures from around the world. And now, beloved, as the Inner Strength Gospel Choir moves to sing the offertory anthem, please remember it is both a joy and a discipline to be a giver. As always, if you wish to support the ministries we've mentioned today or the many others at the chapel, please visit bu.edu chapel and follow the link for online giving.
Blessed are you, O God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts, ourselves, our time, and our possessions. Use us and what we have gathered in feeding the world with your love, through the one who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and always. Amen.